You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 235. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Sklar. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. You have reached another Local Maximum. Today's episode, I have someone that I met up at the Portfest conference a few weeks ago who is involved with something called seasteading. And I personally, I'm fascinated by this stuff. You know, people who want to be what I would say modern day pioneers and live out on the ocean and, and try out new forms of government. I'm not sure if it is for me, although I love to travel. Uh, and if anything, anyone actually set this thing up, uh, I would consider visiting. Uh, but the idea for me raises so many questions. And my next guest was kind enough to field all of these questions. And we ended up with a really stimulating conversation this week, all the way from the mechanics of how, uh, you know, how, how this uh, floating city would work to the geopolitics, to the legal and philosophical questions and implications. So that's why I really enjoyed this conversation. And I think that you will too. My next guest is the founder of Freedom Haven, which is a seasteading project that seeks to gain complete legal independence from the current world governments on their seafaring megaship. Tony Olson, you've reached the local maximum. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. All right. So this is the first time in local maximum history. We've been doing this show for four years. It's, it's, we, do, we cover a lot of technology stuff, but like I, I don't think I've ever covered seasteading. Um, we've done, we did a show with the guy doing uh, uh, Lieberland. I'm sure maybe you might be familiar with uh, uh, um, um, the Lieberland crew, uh, but, yep. but no seasteading. So let's just start from ground one. People who don't know what seasteading is, are you guys trying to make your own country, your own society? What is it? What, 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 what is seasteading all about? Seasteading is basically a play on the words uh, homesteading, but on the sea. So, like, if you want to create a home for yourself, a lifestyle, uh, go to a place, live off the grid, um, that, that's, a, that's homesteading. The idea is, is similar, but on the, on the open sea. And there's some advantages and disadvantages to, to doing this on the sea. One of the disadvantages is that it's more expensive. But the advantages is that you could go to places outside the jurisdiction of local governments and have a lot more freedom that you couldn't have anywhere else. Okay, so how long have you been working on this, and and what was the like moment when you said, you know, this is this is worth working on for me? Uh, about 2018, um, me and some online friends were talking about basically lamenting the fact that we felt like we could never achieve the freedoms that we sought for in our lifetime, and voting for for freedom just didn't seem to be working out well because the people who wanted to have the level of freedom that we were seeking for were a minority in society. Everyone talks about freedom, but it's a very, very small minority of people who actually want, like really, really want freedom. Um, it's just one of those big things, you American flag, you wave it back and forth and everyone's like, oh, wow, freedom. It's, it's, Ameri it's, it's American, it's beautiful, apple pie. But when it comes right down to it, most people uh, prefer their security and safety or perceived safety. So why is is this the best solution? Like, is there were there other solutions that you uh, expected uh, or uh, or not expected, but like uh, explored? Uh, yes, um, we actually uh, were four years into the project. We actually tried all kinds of different ideas initially. Um, well, we we did start the project did start with a seasteading concept, but we were trying different designs. 
uh, different approaches on it, uh, trying to come up with our own custom uh, solutions. And at the end of four years, we realized that there's a reason why they make the ships the way they do nowadays, mm. because it's cost effective and it uh, makes the most sense. So it, it took us a while to go full circle and realize, you know, we're, we're trying to reinvent the wheel and the wheels, wheel has already been optimized so we can just make use of what exists today. But yeah. there are other seasetting projects out there today, uh, but the seasetting projects, there's really two groups of people that do seasetting. There's a group of people who just love to live on an ocean, a beautiful sunset and vista, and they don't really care if they live in a tyranny in the harbor of some dictatorship because they're happy to right. wake up each morning to a beautiful sunrise. I mean, um, go to some of those uh, resorts in Nicaragua, I was at one once, amazing. I mean, yeah. you know, <laughs> that, uh, that, Ortega is the uh, <laughs> control yeah. down there, but uh, yeah. And that's one, one type of uh, seasteading. The other type is what we're basically into, which is that for us, it's not about living on the ocean as much as it is freedom. And the ocean just happens to be the best place for us to find the freedom that we seek. We're not really seagoing, you know, salty uh, sailors who, who love being on the water. It's more of a tool to an end. And uh, right now, uh, that's the best option we have to achieve the freedoms that we're, we're looking for. So can you, can you give some examples of the freedoms that you're looking for? Like, there must be certain things, like, I feel like I can do just about anything that I want to do here in the U.S. Maybe maybe you could prove me wrong, give me some examples of something. I, I could think of things that maybe I don't have the freedom to do that I'm not that interested in. But what are the... What are the um, uh, people that you're working with, and I kind of want to get a sense of your organization too, like how many people are you working with, and that's just, but like um, the people who are you're, you want to do this with, like what what sorts of freedoms are you uh, do you tend to be interested in? Well, it's that's a tricky question because uh, uh, tyranny over the the thousands of years uh, we've been on Earth um, has gotten very clever in how it takes away freedom. And nowadays, it takes away freedom, not directly through you by saying you may not do this, although that happens a lot. Most of the freedoms that are taken away are through your, the company you work for or the places sure. that you buy stuff from. So, you know, mo most of the time when people complain about corporate, uh, corporate is doing this or corporate is doing that or why this big company do this stupid thing, most of the times they do that, they don't realize that the U.S. government controls all those companies and they have gag orders and other regulations that forbid them from actually talking about it, which means a regulator can come in and tell specific people in that organization to do certain things. And they're not even allowed to tell their bosses about it. So we, we've kind of been taken over as a socialist country, but it's done so convertly that no one even knows about it. So basically the, the freedoms that we're looking for is basically just to solve whatever problems that come up, as long as you aren't threatening someone's life, freedom and property, to just solve life's problems. And the result is you can, you have more initiative. You, you have more, uh, you're, you're reaching your greatest potential um, and you have a lower cost of living, a higher quality of living um, and life is just better. Right. So, but one of the issues that you're going to have, it sounds like is mm -hmm. the, the, the cost of living because aren't, aren't, isn't it expensive to like get these boats together and, and set this up and, and uh, go on the sea? I mean, maybe you're, you're looking for some long-term play where maybe it's not so bad, but um, it, it, it yes. sounds like, yeah, maybe comment on that. Yes. Um, but, but the, the most expensive thing is basically the, the space itself. 
um, life on the the high seas, uh, life on these these mega ships uh, costs between, if I remember correctly, between you know four hundred dollars per square foot to like ten thousand dollars per square foot. It's really expensive. But what we have wow. uh, is basically Wait, is something that that's per, more. Per how, is that like for for rentals or for uh, just just purchase? the construction, just the, oh, construction the construction of that much space. Okay, okay. Um, and uh, but. Uh, we're, we're trying to make something more economical. So you can live on a cruise ship indefinitely for about $100,000 a year. If you play your cards okay. right and go from cruise ship to cruise ship, you can stay on a cruise ship indefinitely for $100,000 a year. That's expensive, to, but it's a it's a full entertainment and, and uh, exactly. food lifestyle. So interesting. We can, we can do something similar for about one-fifth the cost. And instead of it being a, um, a cruise ship is a moment frozen in time where this is luxury, we're going to play a certain theme, whatever it is, and they do the same theme over and over again every every week for the entire, you know, for, for, for forever. Um, but you only see it a week at a time or, or two weeks at a time. Um, but here, this is different because this is, this, is, this is reality. Instead of it being a fake rich paradise where you're pretending to be something, you're going to plays and so forth, and it's the same plays going on over all over and over, it's actually like being in the city where you live right now, except that the cost of things is lower. Um, so so the, the space is more expensive. This is why people who uh, live in big homes on the, on the land live in cabins on the ship. So we already kind right. of have a feel for for what life on the seas is like. We've seen these big mega ships. Well, we know how people live on them. Right. I mean, I like, I, I think you're, you're getting to this, but, but uh, just to cut through what I'm thinking is like, okay, I, you know, I wouldn't want to live on the ship. I don't need all that entertainment and, and stuff all the time, but I do need more space if I'm going to live there full time. And, like, and I can't you can live have, in a tiny cabin. Yeah, you can, you can have all the entertainment you want. You just go, like if you want to go to a movie theater or you want to go to a play, anything that you seek for, a free market will be, want, will be trying to find the way to most efficiently provide it for you. The difference right. is, is that you're actually paying for each and entertainment. But sure. all in all, it's probably like one fifth or one tenth the cost of living on a cruise ship, and it, what we're basically doing is just—it's kind of like real estate for those who want to live in a specific location on Earth. And this location is is outside the exclusive economic zone. And to explain really quick what that is, um, uh, the the like ninety ninety five percent of the countries in the world got together and under the UN uh, Convention of the Law of the Sea. And they signed the United Nations Convention of the Law of the Sea, which basically means that they agree. There's lots of things that they promised with that. But one of the things they agreed is that their jurisdiction ends 200 nautical miles from shore. And okay. what that basically means is you're, if you're more than, 200, more than 200 nautical miles from shore, you're outside their jurisdiction. With a couple of caveats, you have to have a flag of convenience, which means there are some regulations on the ship itself. But that doesn't affect the, the, the passengers. It just affects the crew and the manifest and so forth. So... Um, yeah. So, um, interesting. So, so it'd be not under the control of any jurisdictions, although I'm so, so you're thinking about a ship, right? Not a, uh, not a, um, not a platform. I know that was probably a discussion as well. Yes. Uh, so why, why don't we establish like, Hey, you're looking at a ship. Why a ship? Um, because there, there are a couple of advantages. We looked at oil, oil platforms, which everyone, everyone loves oil platforms. They're very sexy. They're very attractive. But they don't hold as much weight. They're 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 optimized because they're they're meant to be more stable because they have less water displacement and they're more tall and uh, the spar is an ingenious uh, design. Um, but it it doesn't hold as much weight and it costs more per per square foot. Um, 
the, the reason why the majority of the ships out there are basically what we call monohulls hulls, um, is because that's the most efficient way, the most cost, cost effective way to produce as much storage as, as much space as possible. Mm-hmm. So we can we can do an oil, oil platform kind of a spar uh, and some some other CSAM projects are doing that. Um, but you're looking at a different kind of price uh, price uh, price level. And that yeah. whole point here is to try to, I mean, you you can, the, the ultra-rich can go on their mega yachts today and go out to this location today. This is more trying to make bring this into the reach of people who are middle class or even some poor people. We're trying to bring it as low as possible so that most people can gotcha. afford it. So what phase is your project in? Like, are you, like, how serious are you getting? Are you just a few guys with a, uh, uh, with a dream or, uh, what, <laughs> tell me about your, your organization and funding and all that. Um, we, uh, we have four phases in the project. We're currently in phase two, uh, phase one, which, uh, and which completed, um, earlier, uh, uh, earlier this year, actually, um, that's right. Last year, um, was basically just creating the initial design, coming up with um, a plan, governance, um, how the whole thing is going to work, estimate of the, the cost and so forth. And phase two is is basically an exploratory, explorative campaign where we're going to find 4,000 people who who say, wow, I like that idea enough to put $5 down. And so we're going to okay. find 4,000 people who say, this is, this is a good enough idea for me for $5, and that's going to be $20,000 total. And that's going to be used. We're going to use that for marketing and so forth. And every year, this project does double in size. Um, so at the current current rate, even though that's that's fast, it's still, you know, we were still small. Um, and we'll, we'll, this thing, if we continue the same rate, this Freedom Haven project, this floating city will exist in 15 years. Um, okay. so that's, that's a long way out. It's a long time horizon for sure. It is a long time and we would love to do it tomorrow, but we, it, it, it's a phased approach. Um, and we're finding 4,000 people who are interested in at the $5 level. And as more people have, have pitched in, um, and more people have shown their interests, their, the drive kind of feeds itself and it, it would basically double each year. <coughs> the next phase, phase three is the contact uh, Samsung Heavy Industries, the actual uh, shipyards who actually build these, these mega structures. What we have our design is an initial design based on what they've been building before and what we found out about them. And it's kind of a high level design. If you don't have every single nut and bolt, it's just, it's just a high level uh, uh, model. Um, so phase three is actually contacting Samsung Heavy Industries. Uh, 4,000 people will put $500 down. Um, and it'll take four years for us to find those, those, those people. And that'll be $2 million towards Samsung Heavy Industries. And they'll do their prototyping and testing and so forth. And then the final phase is $64,500. So basically per cabin is $65,000. And that covers a 10-year lease, um, including security, maintenance, uh, the ship. and So, so uh, where is this thing? This is, I assume this thing's going to be built in some country. Uh, yes. And then... And then... And then sail off, not sail, but you know, go off into the uh, into the uh, into the wild unknown. Where where do you see it um, ending up? Like, what is it just going to move around the world, uh, or is there going to no, be that, a certain area it's just going to hang out? It's not going to be like the world. There's 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 a ship out there called the World for the Ultra Rich. It's like a huge mega cruise ship. I think there's like 150 residents there. And they yeah. basically constantly sailing around the world, spending millions of dollars a year kind of thing. This is something different. We're actually going to find a place and park there. Currently, we're thinking about um, the South Bay of Bengal outside of India, in between uh, India and Singapore and Sri Lanka, um, because that is a, there are a bunch of advantages there. 
One is that it's 70% of the world's trade travels through that water, which means we can, in it, we can interface with that tra those trade routes and have container ships stop by and exchange uh, containers with them. And we would actually be a, a fully functional registered port that other ships in other, other countries would recognize so that you could still order stuff on Amazon. It would just may take you a couple more days or a week, extra week to, to arrive. So, um, but, yeah. but medical care would cost like one, we're guessing like maybe one tenth the cost of what it is right now because there's no government regulations. We have a true free market. So, so medical, medical ideas and concepts, will, uh, science will, technologies will compete with each other for the best solutions. The only thing that might be a little more yeah. expensive is food. Um, the same way that it is in Hawaii. Hawaii imports almost all of their food and milk, eggs, all that stuff is still there in the stores, but it costs like maybe, you know, 30, 50% more than it does in normal stores. Right, um, right. So that'd, I mean, be, had, that'd be about the same there. Yeah, no, that reminds me, a, a friend of mine was telling me about northern northern Quebec areas, like uh, very remote areas where like a bag of chips will be $10 and stuff like that. Maybe it won't be that bad, but um, yeah. Um, but uh, so... Okay, I have some more serious questions. Well, this is a serious question, but I, but let's get out of the way. Like, I imagine, like, you know, someone being like, hey, no running on this part of the deck. And someone would be like, hey, I thought I had my freedom here. Like, what? <laughs> who's going to decide what the rules are? And, and there will be kind of a lifestyle there that you'll be like, um, you'll be, uh, uh, you'll have to acclimate to, whether it's, yes. you know, even if, Everyone on the ship speaks English. Okay, that's for someone, you know, okay, they could, they're free to speak whatever language they want, but like, you know, they're probably going to have to learn English or whatever languages are spoken on the ship. So how are you going to, you know, decide on that? Is it just going to be a general like, hey, we're, you know, like, um, have you thought about that? Has, do you think that's going to oh, yeah. raise any issues? Are people going to be... Uh, yeah. You know, someone might be like, hey, this is not as much freedom as I as I thought if freedom they define freedom in a different way. Um, yeah. Talk to those issues, uh, maybe. Uh, basically, uh, on our website is uh, freedomhaven.org. And there's a tab there for the Constitution that we currently have. Um, basically, the, the idea is the freedom that we're talking about. The freedom itself is defined differently for different people in different situations. Yeah. So people say, "Oh, wow! Look, I'm 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 flying my my single engine uh, aircraft through the clouds, and this is freedom." Or, "Wow! Now I'm a millionaire. That's freedom." That's not right. what we're talking about. When we say freedom, right. we means your ability to do whatever you want without someone else using force to stop you. Right. Uh, basically, what 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 is also referred to as natural rights. Um, now, to, to understand what we kind of what we mean. What, what restrictions we'll have there, it, you have to understand the things that would destroy freedom. You're not free if you're dead. You're not free if you're kidnapped. And although it's a little less understood, you're also not free if, you, if everything you build keeps getting destroyed or, or stolen. Sure. So basically, the only rules we have there is you may not murder, kidnap, or steal. And, and kidnap and steal excludes a list like the rape is a combination of kidnapping and stealing. And arson is a version of, of theft and you know, things like that. And yeah. the Constitution lays all that out specifically. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a, a second layer as well. For example, there are uh, people who will want to like, for example, me, I'll, I'm, I'll be, I'll, I will hopefully be there with my family. And we probably will not want to have people smoking cocaine and marijuana and having sex in front of our, our doorstep. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So I will. Pro so basically everyone will, will go into this and say, OK, what restrictions are you willing to put on yourself? 
what 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 would you want? And everyone who agrees with those will be together in kind of a gated community. So what will happen is on this ship, there'll be locations where it says, well, you can go into this community, but if you do so, you're agreeing to these extra rules that you may think are 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 draconian or whatever it is, but you don't have to go into that community if you don't want to. But that way, that community can still have those extra restrictions they want on themselves, but they're not infringing on someone else. It's something that everyone there is voluntarily deciding to do. Um, and in so doing, you you can have those extra layers of things without enforcing without infringing on someone else doesn't want to agree to right it. so are you are you imagining like different communities on the same ship or different ships um and also like um i'd, I'd imagine when you're setting this all up you kind of want to get a sense of okay if we're going to have these four or five communities let's have like a good you know a good kind of diversity or, or range of 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 what what we're we're gonna allow here um basically both um we're starting out with one, one, one design, one vessel, which is which also has a built-in harbor, a gantry crane, and, and works as an actual port, functional port. Um, but after this has been, this is like the seed of a, of a city, even though it, it itself is a city. Um, and there's going to be, it's just going to spread from oh, there all kinds of- What, what population can it support? That's before we um, go on. There's 4,000 cabins. Um, okay. And each cabin is, is about uh, 19 and a half feet by seven and a half feet by eight feet tall. But you can combine multiple cabins together to multiple, multiple spaces together to make larger spaces. So you can have, and, and the actual population would vary yeah. greatly depending on how, there's no rules how, how you use your space. So right. you're gonna have, we're going to have some rich people who, who may have 20 of these cabins and build themselves a nice mansion. We're going to have some other people who may be importing from a very impoverished country, and they live 12 people in a cabin in these huge uh, um, things. And that's their choice. As long as they can all fit in there and no one's dying, and we're going to have air, air pumped into all the cabins, it's their decision. That being said, we're guessing that we'll probably have a starting population of about five to 10,000 people yeah. um, in this ship. And that's just this ship. Every, yeah. every every vessel is going to be its own province within the country of Freedom Haven. If that makes sense. Yeah. So how, so um, I, I kind of interrupted you a little bit in talking about the different communities within the ship and, and how that would work. So yeah, you can continue with that maybe. Um, so so, so the, 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 that's it. Basically, um, people can uh, choose for themselves what additional limitations they want to have. The only additional limitation that might happen for the the, the main vessel we're designing is called the New Liberty Vessel. Um, yeah. The only additions, additional restrictions the New Liberty Vessel may have is um, uh, like explosives. Uh, right. if, if you can have explosives, but if the explosion, explosive is big enough to break through your cabin and threaten the, the, your neighbor's cabins, yeah. then you have to work with us about proper storage or even have it stored off, off the, the, the vessel or other location where it's, it's more secure, you know, those kind of things. Do you think um, so those things may... could be contentious? Uh, like, does your constitution be like, okay, here's here's a method for resolving those disputes? Because obviously, like, if I'm doing chemical experiments in my yeah. uh, in my cabin, maybe there's a very low chance that something can go wrong. But the, the person next door is like, I, I think the chance is a little higher, and I don't want it to be happening. So, <laughs> you know, maybe they both have a point. Exactly. Exactly. And, and we've, we've been spending four years, um, uh, mostly, we meet mostly online on, on two different uh, Facebook groups. We have the, the Gathering Freedom Haven group, um, where it's just a general discussion. And we have one that, that covers more specific role-playing scenarios, like what you're talking about, and that's um, uh, Freedom Haven government role-playing, 
Um, and we actually cover those kind of scenarios. And that's, we've been discussing those. And right now we're a group of about 700 people uh, online. Um, and it's a volunteer volunteer group. So how many people do you have in your organization? Well, it's very difficult to say because everyone kind of participates when they have time. So people just say more. I myself put about 20 hours a week into this project, um, but other people put like one hour, five hours, you know, some people don't we hardly ever hear from. So it's, it's kind of hard to say how it is because it's a volunteer organization at this point. Right. So but, yeah, but, I, yeah, I want to know more about your constitution. Like how is it different from the U.S. constitution? Have you learned from our experience in the U.S. constitution? Uh, imported some things, maybe changed some things. I'm, I'm kind of curious as yes. to what your approach has been. Well, the, the, the preamble uh, sounds pretty, pretty similar in that sense. Um, the, the purpose is to preserve freedom and uh, allow us to achieve our greatest potential. Um, but one a distinct, one, one way we're approaching it differently is, is the constitution lays out what governments can and can't do. Um, in a sense, the Freedom Haven Constitution, or as some people will prefer to call it, a contract, um, because the, the term constitution, we have some anarchists in our group that don't like the idea of there being a constitution. So for them, we, we call it a contract, because that's kind of what it is. You can't come in unless you voluntarily said, I've consented to this contract. There's no social, uh, implied social, um, uh, social contract when you came in. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, right, right. So, so it's a contract. You agree to it when coming on the ship, and then you probably also agree. Um, with, uh, there's probably a separate contract for your internal community as well. Uh, exactly. But I guess in terms of like the structure, like, okay, is there going to be um, maybe a you know, Court do you system. need a legislature or a board or something to to regulate, or or maybe a a a a, a, a a, a plebiscite oh. or whatever, a vote to, to regulate, let's say, what kind of chemicals you can keep in your... Uh, in uh, your yeah, yeah in, I, I forgot that. Um, the, the difference in our constitution and the U.S. constitution is that instead of describing what the government can do, um, we we define government differently. We, we, we're not using the term government the way most people define government as a monopoly on force. We define government as basically anybody who's using force. So basically, if you are defending, let's say there's someone right now that breaks into your house and you've right. apprehended them, you put them in handcuffs, you tie them up and the police are going to come by and, and take them away. Right. In that 30 minutes between the time where you've, you've, you've captured him and the police come and take him away, you are government to that person. They are your slave. Quite literally, you have full control over them. They, they you, you've, you've encapsulated them. You, you've kidnapped them in a sense. Which, and, and your actions are justified. But. The way the Constitution finds it, in that moment, you are government. Anybody using force is government, and force is only ever justified for self-defense. And we get into specifically what that, what that means. So this Constitution differs from the U.S. Constitution in the sense that this whole focus is to restrict when force is, is, is allowed. Basically, that, and essentially that you can only use it to defend your life, freedom, or, prop, or someone else's life, freedom, and property, and nothing else. Anything else beyond that is illegal. Um, and and how you implement that, how you do courts and so forth, is up for each individual vessel to decide. The new Liberty vessel will, for example, have courts, but since we have no taxation, taxation is theft, and we will have no taxation on this thing, um, people will pay for their, uh, they will choose who they want to have implement, uh, mediate in their courts and handle all that stuff without uh, 
taking money from other people. Yeah, I assume maybe maybe through some kind of insurance. Uh, but like, what about paying for the common areas of the ship or just ship maintenance in and of itself? Because it is a vessel. Someone needs to, you know, make sure that it doesn't sink. And I don't know. Someone needs to steer it. Uh, Definitely. So, yeah. How, how are those decisions made? And also, like, uh, you know, did you take any structural things from the U.S. Constitution? Like, is there a legislature or some kind of executive board or, or some there, kind of decentralized thing? This is where it might be shocking, but this is not a democracy. There, there's no, no, no people are going to be, your, your neighbors will not, will not get together and vote on what to do with your car. There, there's no sure. majority. The only thing that will happen is by 100% consent. Um, it's not 95, it's not the majority, it's not even two thirds, it's 100%. And if there isn't 100%, you have no authority to do that. There, the government has no authority to speak for the people. Um, you have no representatives. Um, basically, we go into it very beginning, knowing exactly what the laws are going to be. And if anyone wants to change anything from their communities, they can move around to different communities, or they can change it in themselves with the communities. But that's only if everyone consents, which means we'll have this whole thing played out, at least for this 10-year period that we're, we're doing it. Remember, this, this is going to be for a 10-year lease. And what happens after that 10 years is we can revisit everything and see if we need to adjust how the whole plan is going to work. Um, but the... The $65,000 per cabin includes the making of the ship, the maintenance, uh, the, 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 the security, all that stuff for 10 years uh, of this vessel. Um, but you are right, because it's a vessel, you'll have continual maintenance. And unlike property on land where you own it and it's been your property, you've been your family for generations, this will be rent because you will always have to keep maintaining the vessel. Otherwise, the vessel will very quickly rust away and sink. So we'll have to keep up on top of the maintenance going forward for as long as the life of the vessel uh, goes forward. Right, right. So, like, you have some kind of a design for this vessel uh, on your website. It's called the New Liberty. Am I correct about that? Yeah, New Liberty vessel. Who who designed that, first of all? How is it different from, say, like a cruise ship? Well, um, we actually started with, um, not to be shocking, um, that the cost of an aircraft carrier, a cruise ship, and a container ship is so huge. Uh, the container ship, these mega container ships are 160 to 180, $180 million, which is incredibly cheap, all things considered. Uh, a a uh, cruise ship, the latest large mega cruise ships are like $1.7, $1.3 billion. An aircraft carrier is $17.5 billion. So it's a huge difference. So we're, we started with the design of a container ship and then basically adjusted it to be more like a cruise ship, but not mm. as much a cruise ship as so much could, as it that, is. It's, so then you could be a port. Exactly. That makes but sense, yeah. An industrial a megaplex uh, for, for housing, uh, stores, factories, anything you want to use it for. So it doesn't look as sexy as a cruise ship, but it's very, very functional. Right, right. Um, very cool. And, and what do you th- see? Oh, wait, I, 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 I'm just reminded of uh, a situation I was in the other day where so I, I live in New Hampshire here. You were just here, right? In, uh, mm-hmm. in Porkfest a few weeks ago. And, um, you know, I it loved was, it. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. I, I, 
I have so much more freedom just moving here. So I'm like, uh, you know, not, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> happy here. But I, I remember some friends came over 4th of July and they bought some fireworks and set them off in the field across. And they're like, yeah, in New York, Connecticut, people would give us crap for this. Here we just allow it. But unfortunately, it seems like on the, on the ship, you might not be, be able to do that. Um, <laughs> well, it depends on your community. Maybe your yeah. community would be okay with fireworks. Right. But like, wouldn't other communities object if they're like, ah, you could set a fire and it's going to like uh, burn down the ship. I guess that maybe, maybe that's not really so possible. Depends what kind of fireworks we're talking about here. So yeah. yeah, yeah. We're going to have, I mean, it's going to be a fully functional ship. We'll have, right. we'll have uh, the, the staff that is there on site for security and maintenance. will actually have fire drills and stuff for handling how to put out the fires. We're going to have sprinklers in all the cabins and stuff. Um, we won't have, I mean, if we design a ride, you shouldn't have runaway fires. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I don't know why I'm, I'm coming up with these uh, edge cases. Like there could be a runaway fire and the whole thing. Anyway. We um, love those because that <laughs> actually helped us actually improve the design over time. Over yeah. four years, it was coming up with all the ways this thing can, could go bad. They helped us actually refine the design to what mm. we have today, which is, so we, we love them. We love hearing yeah. about them. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, and so, I know there's a lot of seasteading projects out there. There's like a whole sea, there's a seasteading institute. There's multiple ones. Like where, where do you see your project living within that so-called ecosystem? First of all, has anyone done this successfully yet? And do do they all have like different flavors, different like ideologies, or some similar to yours? There's some that's very different from yours. What does that whole space look like? Well, first of all, the seasteading institute isn't a specific seasteading project. They are an umbrella that. Uh, uh, a nonprofit organization started by Peter Friedman, Patrick Friedman uh, to basically encourage individual seasteading uh, seasteading projects. And actually, I I'm actually I'm in a I'm doing a presentation for them um, actually in August. Um, it's it's on the website. Um, so they, I, I'm actually listed on the Seasteading Institute as one of the active seasteading projects. But what different differs us from other seasteading projects is that unfortunately we're the only seasteading project. Seriously, spray the same project. We'll have some guy with a, you know, drew something on a carbon saying, we're going to build this huge island in the middle of whatever, and it's going to be all this stuff. But they, they never got beyond the natural design. And we, honestly, we're not taking them very seriously because they haven't really done that much. Um, we're the only real sea setting project um, that we know of <clears throat> that is actually planning to go where freedom exists. Everyone else is planning to have their projects inside the harbor of some tyrannical mm. government. And if you're inside their exclusive economic zone, that country owns you. Um, and there are a lot of uh, failed uh, seasteading attempts in the past, and they all have the same the same uh, thread, the same issue. Um, um, and that is that they were trying to create a seastead inside the jurisdiction of another country, and they were all shut down by those governments for one reason or another. And that, that just sets yeah. us apart is we won't, we won't do that. We, there's no trust in the government. We're going to be outside of the exclusive economic zone. And we're the only ones planning to do that. Now, if I have other ones try to do that, none of them had tried to do that and offer freedom. But these floating cities are there out there today. And, and we have thousands of people that actually work on aircraft carriers, cruise ships, uh, container ships. And that's their life is living on the high seas in these locations. But those industries don't provide the freedom that we're looking for. So we're basically doing the exact same thing they're doing. We're just, we just have a different industry. The industry is basically yeah. real estate to offer freedom to people who want to live there with freedom. Are, are there any that have like a radically different ideology or are they all kind of in the same ballpark? Well, they, they all 
some some of them want want to have freedom, um, but not sometime in the future. Like maybe eventually we'll migrate out there, but it's not really. They don't really have a plan. Okay. That, uh, that yeah, it sounds like so, a different approach, I guess. Exactly. They they they're they're more more focused on the ultra rich wanting to have a nice place in a harbor of a tranquil country where they have a beautiful sunrise. Okay. Unfortunately, we would love to have some more competition out there because it would make everything better. But we're yeah. the only seasetting uh, project that is actually focused on freedom um, that that we're aware of, or that the seasetting institute is aware of. Yeah, well, it's a very cool idea. Do you guys um, is why is it that you think that like no one's come close to actually setting this up yet, or or, or have they? Like, why is that? I've heard about seasetting. Um, you know, probably I've probably read it in science fiction books, honestly, many years ago. But like, wh- wh- why hasn't this been done? You know, twenty, thirty years ago. Uh, two reasons. Uh, some some people just don't. It's not about freedom. But they they don't really care about freedom. They just love living on the ocean, and so they have a different goal. But but there are people who who do care about freedom, and those people who care about freedom haven't done this specifically because this is such a bold, huge, mega plan. That we 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 need we need the four thousand uh, we need we need the leases of four thousand cabins accounted for to actually pay for this. The whole total cost is two hundred and sixty million dollars, right. and th- it, it's a very expensive seastead in that sense. And and most people think that it isn't possible. We can never find that many people who are actually interested in it. Right. So that's why they don't really try. And it will take so long to slowly build that up. But like I said before, we, we, we do this for four years and every year we double in the support. We double in the number of people who are interested and piece by piece, we are getting there. And as long as we keep doubling each year in 15 years, this thing will exist. Yeah, no, I, I guess. Um, and, and I don't know, maybe this is an off track question, but I guess what I'm thinking is like, why? Why was no one attempting this in the 1970s? There are people who cared about freedom in the 1970s, you know, and, and yet maybe people did try and it just it. it has something changed? Has the economics changed? Has the, uh, the uh, interests of it changed? Or a number of things. The economics have changed. Uh, it was before, in the nineteen seventies. We didn't have the United Nations Convention on the Law of the Sea, so there were disagreements okay. about where jurisdictions ended oh, and so forth. Okay. In fact, actually, there's there's one this is political uh, pro- that one one interesting show on Netflix called Rose Island. Uh, talks about a person who actually went out and created themselves a nice little floating platform, uh, like five five miles from Italy's shore outside of their, their territorial waters. And Italy ended up conquering. They, they were in the process of getting recognized <laughs> as a nation by the UN when Italy actually conquered them and destroyed the platform. And that's oh, kind yeah. of one of the reasons why they created the United Nations Convention of the Law of the Sea to help have everyone be on board with exactly what the rules are so everyone's on the same page. So we didn't have the United Nations Convention of the Law of the Sea back then. And we didn't have containers. The concept of containers and shipping was completely different. Before then, Everything was just packages and boxes and barrels and stuff, and it took forever to unload and load load things. And the whole shipping industry was completely changed. Um, and uh, South Korea has really revolutionized the way they make uh, ships to make them more economical than they they were before. I mean, each each year they come out with a mega ship that's slightly larger than the ones they did previous year for a slightly cheaper price. Mm-hmm. So they're constantly pushing that barrier, and that and so in a sense they've made it cheaper for us to do that. And all these technologies are now finally in play for us to actually do this um, that that weren't that weren't around decades ago. Yeah, that, that's a that's a great answer. That's that's really cool. Uh, 
And and yeah, I'd love to talk more about like the whole shipping container uh, revolution on this show because I've I've read about it. Very fascinating stuff. It is fascinating. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I, I think we're coming to the end here. So maybe you could tell us, hey, uh, where can people? Any last thoughts? First of all, and then where can people find you online, and where can people learn more? Um, all the information, links, uh, pictures, diagrams, uh, designs you can download. All the information is available on our website, freedomhaven.org. You can also find us on Facebook at Gathering Freedom Haven or our sister group, uh, Freedom Haven Government Role Playing. Um, if you're interested in, in wanting to show your support for a project like this, um, I'd, I'd encourage uh, those listeners who are interested to consider donating $5 and help us show that we have at least 4,000 people in the world that are interested in this enough, just enough to put $5 down, and then we'll take it to the next level and find the, the 4,000 in the next free, next four years, um, line upon line, and uh, help us help us get there. Very cool, uh, Tony. I really uh, I'm, I'm I'm glad I ran into you at the last second at uh, Pork Fest. I think you just reached out to me and gave me your card. So that was uh, that was. And by the way, there are some people there who. Um, it's uh, it's uh, some of the conversations are tough, um, but uh, no, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, thanks for coming on the local maximum. It's my honor. Thanks for having me. That's the show to support the local maximum. Sign up for exclusive content and our online community at maximum.locals.com. The local maximum is available wherever podcasts are found. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe on your podcast app. Also, check out the website with show notes and additional materials at localmaxradio.com. If you want to contact me, the host, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. Have a great week. Feel the power.